Jesus, because of your work on the cross alone. It is because of your death and resurrection today that we have hope and peace and joy. Um, it is because of this that we worship you. We express our thanks and our trust as well. As we go now to your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide our understanding so that we might continue to walk in the Spirit. Lord, as we received you, Lord, I pray today that we would so walk in you powerfully. Pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, you guys may be seated. If you'd like to grab your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, that's where we'll be going here in just a moment. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Gospel of Luke chapter 1, I know we're in the age of COVID, but I'm, I'm still a little offended by this, this main section that no one is in up here. I'm, I'm kidding. In Luke chapter 1, we're beginning um, a study in Luke-Acts, Now it'll be a little while before we're in Acts. So today we're going to touch on it since this is the introduction. We're going to cover just a few verses. I've been waiting to get up here so I could take off my mask and breathe a little bit. I'm really sorry for you guys. And so... I will, as we work on things, I will try to adjust things so that we're not in here so long, okay? Today, it won't be that long, and really going forward, I'll, I'll try to be mindful of that. I know it's, I know it's difficult. Um, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read just through the first four verses this morning, and, um, and then we'll kind of, we'll, we'll begin from here. The beginning in verse 1, Luke writes this, And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished. Your, your translations might say fulfilled. That's actually probably a better way to say that. Things that have been fulfilled among us. And just think about what Luke is writing about. Those things that have been fulfilled by the arrival and the ministry and the death and the resurrection, the ascension of Christ. Luke says, many have undertaken you know, to compile a narrative of those things that God has fulfilled. In verse 2, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Can you imagine? Eyewitnesses to the fulfillment of Scripture in Jesus Christ, His miracles, His ministry, His death and resurrection. From the beginning, eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word, they've delivered them to us. That is, those things that Christ has fulfilled. In verse 3, Luke says this, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely, we know from his history in Acts, from some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, some of you know kind of the history here. All I'm going to say about, about Theophilus today is that um, he was probably someone of significant standing. That's why he's got that title in front of him, most excellent. Theophilus, the name, means lover of God. And as we know how Scripture works, um, this is not only from Luke to Theophilus, but this is from Luke, from the Holy Spirit, to those of us who love God. We know that his desire today is to communicate with his people, and to encourage, to direct, uh, correct, whatever is necessary. And notice why he has undergone this orderly recounting of the events in verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Now, we, as you know, live in a broken world. We've been taught that God is, God is good, 
right? And that he has a good plan. He tends to see this plan through until the end. We've been taught that plan. We've sung about it today, right? That God, he entered our broken world in the person of Jesus Christ. Lived a sinless life. Went to the cross for you and I to pay the price for our sins. The just, the righteous one for the unjust that he might bring us to God. He rose from the grave, conquering sin and death ascended to the right hand of the Father where he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And today, right, he is continuing his work by his spirit through his church. That's good news, right? That's, that's, God's, that's God's programming, if you will. Right? That's, that's his program that has been in play. Actually, it was there before time began, wasn't it? And he's, he's working on it still day by day. Let me ask this morning, we can sing about that here. And then what, what happens on, uh, I'm just kind of going in this direction. What happens on Monday, right? <laughs> we're, we're here and we're, we sing those songs. Even in Sunday school class, man, it can be so encouraging. And then come Monday or the rest of the week, what happens? Right, we, we just were bombarded by the fact that we live in a broken world. That's what happens. You, you turn on the news and what do you see? Brokenness, right? You, you look within our world, what do we see? Brokenness. Look at our nation, are we surprised? What do we see? <laughs> Brokenness. You look in your family, what do you see? Brokenness. You look in yourself, what do you see? Brokenness. And we're good at noticing, I think, all the brokenness. We're not so good at remembering God's promises. Remembering that he's got a program that is running, like I said, from the very beginning, and it's, it's working day by day. Here's what we're going to be reminded of today, something very simple. This is the overview of Luke and Acts, and so we're just going to try to capture briefly today, really just hopefully some things that we can, we can kind of focus on, to be reminded that God's program is running just fine. God's program is running just fine. And we're going to see today that God, he is fulfilling his word. He is accomplishing his plan. That is, Jesus is working by his spirit through his church to restore what has been broken by sin. And this is just the introduction of Luke and Acts. And so what we're going to see today is we're going to touch on four things that's just going to remind us that God's programming is, is running just fine. We're going to look at briefly just the birth of Jesus the ministry of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the ascension of Jesus. Uh, if you counted five things when I said four, it's because two of those things I've combined. We're just going to briefly look at those things um, so that we can see we have four reasons to have assurance and certainty in God's plan today. As I mentioned, anytime that I have four points here and four points here, they're going to go really fast. And so please don't be afraid that there's going to be eight points and we're going to be here all day. Verse 4, it's going to just zip by, but I want you to take note as we look at the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, his death and resurrection and ascension, as we look at these verses in Luke and Acts, just notice how this is tied to God's program. This is in fulfillment of his scripture. This is something that he has been continuously at work in in our earth today. Jesus is the center of the plan, and the Holy Spirit is involved from the beginning to the end. So notice these very familiar passages 
First thing we'll notice is the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 1, in verse 31. The angel Gabriel speaks to Mary in verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus, which means what? Do you remember? Salvation, deliverance. Remember, Jesus, he's the center. The world is broken. Jesus is the hope of salvation and deliverance from our brokenness. In verse 32, he will, be, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever. And um, just side comment here, we are included in that family. Just scripturally speaking, Galatians, we are included in the family of God that Jesus reigns over. We'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Now, it sounds like here, we know this to be the case, this is in fulfillment of Scripture, right? This was a promise given to David. The author of Luke is making that connection here. And in verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? In verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Well, just notice what we see here in Luke 1 is God is fulfilling his word by the power of his spirit, bringing Jesus, right, Savior, Deliverer, into this broken world. And number two, notice how fast we're going. Number two, the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus in Luke 4, 17. Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth. And in verse 17, we read this. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Again, just notice he's reading scripture. In verse 18, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus says, is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, so much there. This is, this is not living your best life now, right? We, if you read this, right, what do we see? We see good news. We see freedom. We see sight. Uh, the year of the Lord's favor. We see the message directed to who? The poor, the captives, the blind, those who are oppressed. But just a reminder, this is not your best life now. This is not health, wealth, prosperity gospel. John the Baptist, who was, again, one who looked in faith to Jesus Christ, do you remember where he was when he heard this passage quoted? Do you remember where he was? Remember, he was, in, he was, he was a captive. He was in prison. We know Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, he has come to correct this brokenness, to, to bring about healing and restoration. But sometimes that's not what it looks like here. Right? We, we know it's beyond just those temporal things of immediate healing and, and getting all my circumstances together for a moment. We know the Lord works in those things, but there's just a bigger narrative going on. So in verse 20, he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And in verse 21, he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Notice again here in Luke 4, God is fulfilling his word. 
Jesus is being empowered by the Holy Spirit to restore what has been broken by sin. Number three, the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you'll turn to Luke 24, verse 25 here in just a moment. Luke 24. Luke 24 and verse 25, Jesus, he speaks with a couple of his disciples after his death and resurrection. In verse 25, he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He points to scripture. In verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Now, why would that be necessary? Look at the next verse. And beginning with Moses, that's the law, and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Again, in in Luke 24, God is fulfilling his word. Jesus points to the scriptures being written about him, even anticipating his death and resurrection in order to restore what has been broken. Number four, we'll notice the ascension of Jesus. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 1. And again, the reason we're leaving leaving uh, Luke and we're going to Acts is because Luke's the author of Acts. And so I'm just going to do a uh, quick intro to both books here. In verse 1 of Acts 1. Jesus is instructing his disciples before ascending to the Father. And in verse 1, Luke writes this. Verse 1, in in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I just want to pause there. You notice something about that verse? Luke didn't say, I wrote about everything that Jesus did. Luke says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You know what we see in the book of Acts? We see the continued ministry of Jesus, don't we, through his church. If there's salvation, if there's healing, um, whose name is that happening by? That healing, that salvation is by the, in the name of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Well, go, to verse, go to verse four. So Jesus, he instructs them. He says, while uh, well, staying with them, Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, if um, you've heard from me, from, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The question is there is, is is it now that you are restoring all things? Okay. In verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. In verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Amen. In Acts 1, here we see God, do you see these connections in all the passages that we have read? God is fulfilling his word. 
Jesus is continuing his work by the Holy Spirit through his church to restore what has been broken until he returns and restores it all. Our world, and it is, it is broken. Our world is full of broken people. Sometimes we have to be reminded that we should not be surprised when we turn on the TV or we look in our families or we find within ourselves there's, there's brokenness. But what we want to become practiced in, in seeing is that God's program is running. And he, he is fulfilling his word. He is accomplishing his purposes. Today, it's true, Jesus, he is working by his spirit through his church to restore brokenness. There's four things that we can be certain of today. I think living in this broken world, things that would contribute to us being at rest and at peace and hopeful, mindful of God's work, and that is this. Number one, God is fulfilling his word. Number one, God is fulfilling his word. Once again, we see brokenness in our world, in our nation, in our family. I'm saying this over and over and over because I want us to remember today it's what we see. But don't forget to also see God is fulfilling his word. Isaiah 46 says this, verse 9 and 10, I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And as we understand that we live in a broken world, we also need to be mindful that God, his program is running. He, he is fulfilling his word daily. And we can trust in him. We can trust on the macro level. We can trust in God's wisdom and his love and his power over things that we don't fully understand. We're not omniscient. Also on that personal level, individual level, we can trust in God's plan, right? Romans eight twenty eight. we know how that works when we don't, as Danny Toombs often say, often say, when we can't see his hand, we can trust his, his what? Almost give it away. We can trust his heart. But we know our God to be sovereign, all-wise, all-knowing, a love that is beyond what we can fathom, a love that has been demonstrated conclusively on the cross that Jesus gave his life. Number two, Number one, God is fulfilling his word. Number two, Jesus is restoring. Things that we can be certain of today. Number two, Jesus is restoring. Again, we see brokenness. Let me see how, who I want to pick on here. Not anyone in here. Anyone volunteer to be picked on? <laughs> we see brokenness as a result of sin, don't we? So as we speak about it generally, maybe someone comes to your mind specifically. Maybe someone in your family. Can I just remind you today that Jesus is restoring. I mean, his, his name means salvation and deliverance, right? Why did he come? So that he could point his finger and say, you guys stink. <laughs> we understand. We, we know that. Why did he come? Why does Luke tell us that Jesus came? Did he, came, did he come for the, the healthy people or did he come for the sick people? The sick, right? That's Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus came because we were broken. And today, do you know, he is, he is restoring. Right? It's 
Luke 19, verse 10, that says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, when he came, everybody's in this condition. God's, God's plan, enter our brokenness in the person of Jesus Christ, live a sinless life, go to the cross, the cross that you and I should have bore. The punishment that we should have received, Jesus Christ received on our behalf, again, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. His resurrection Conquering sin and death, his ascension to the right hand of the Father gives him all authority in heaven and on earth today. And by his authority and power, working through his spirit today and his word to communicate today in our brokenness that there is hope. And if you, if you today are aware of your brokenness, you know, this, for, those, uh, for those of us that are aware of our brokenness, and that's, that's most of us in here, it's amazing to us that people do not understand their own brokenness, is it not? Like, we get it. But do you know why we get it? Because God, by his Holy Spirit, through his word, has revealed to us our brokenness so that we understand we need his help, his redemption, his salvation because of what he did that we could not do on our own. And I just want to say today, if there are those who are here personally, that you understand how broken you are by sin. You understand that you've, you've lived in rebellion to God, that you've, you're living in shame. You're, you're dealing with pieces of your life that you have no idea how to put back together. Whether you're here or you're listening online, I just want to point you to the simple truth today that Jesus is restoring today. And if you will take your brokenness to him, he is the only one who can bring about restoration and healing. It's because he paid the price on the cross for your sin. And God's word says that if you will turn to him, repent of your sins, turn to him, trust in him, call on him, that he will save your soul. And I want to implore you, don't wait for an end of invitation or end of a sermon to do that. But even now, if the Lord, by his spirit and his word, is revealing to your heart where you're at, can you take a moment to go to him in prayer? Can you just confess that you believe that he came, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and that you would like to have his restoration, his healing in you personally? You know he will not turn you away. Number two, Jesus is restoring, and I'll just maybe, as a side note here, remind us as the people of God to also remember that Jesus is restoring I know we can become so jaded that we just have a hard time acknowledging that Jesus is doing anything with this broken world and with broken people. But just a reminder for all of us, we were once a horrible mess. And today we're still a mess, okay? <laughs> At one time, we were so bad. And can I just remind you today that Jesus is at work restoring people. And Luke chapter 15, you might recall that, that chapter that deals with the parable of the prodigal son and the lost sheep and the lost coin. You remember Jesus gave that parable not to primarily show that all people are welcome, but to primarily remind his people to not be critical and judgmental of other broken people as they're coming to Christ. 
So just a reminder today, God's program is running just fine. God is fulfilling his word. He is accomplishing his plan. Jesus is restoring. And number three, the spirit is working. Number three, the spirit is working. So one thing, one place you're not going to see brokenness is in the lives of Christians or the church. Is that true? <laughs> no, that's a quick reaction. So even in the best place we have to look, we, we have to look on earth. And I mentioned last Sunday, our, our only hope towards any type of reconciliation is from the church. It is the way Jesus has chosen to work. It's the fulfillment of Scripture. But whether even, even looking, in, looking at Christians, looking at ourselves internally, or looking at the church, do you, you understand we're still, we're still broken? And we, we don't have things together as much as we'd like to. We just have to open our Bibles and, and even see that God's people have problems. And the church, his churches have issues. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll just read this to you. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. Paul says, um, the Lord said to him, and let me just give context here. So Paul had an issue in his flesh. He asked that it would be believed that the Lord would take care of it. The Lord came back with this response. <clears throat> the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and calamities, all things that affect our flesh. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. There's many verses I could have gone to here for to point towards the Spirit's active work in our life. Honestly, if I had longer, I probably would have gone to a different, a different verse because there's so many, even in Luke and Acts. In fact, can you just, you who know Acts, you know that from the beginning to end, hear the name of Jesus, right? And what is empowering the whole work of the cause? The Holy Spirit, man, every, and everywhere you look. And it's just a reminder for us as we deal with our own brokenness as Christians and as we know the church, we have issues that are not going to be corrected overnight. In fact, never fully until Christ comes. It's just a reminder to be careful about the flesh and to be dependent on the Holy Spirit, relying on Christ, abiding in Christ. This past week, I had um, the opportunity to speak on a, on a panel concerning race relations um, in, in our community. Um, I was very grateful that it was brief and that I did not have to contribute much <laughs> to it. What I, what I tried to work on leading up to this panel was making sure that I had some things to say. Okay, that's not. I wanted to know that what I would communicate is what God's people specifically need to hear right now. And so I tried to, I tried to think about it. I prayed about it. I, you know, I, I jotted some things down. I even, I even researched quite a, bit of, quite a bit of things. And I came back to four things that I already knew. And that none of this stuff required um, me to come to this conclusion. The problem and the sad thing is these four things are incredibly simple, 
you know them. And because of our flesh, even as Christians, I think we often, especially in the age in which we live, dude, we're failing all the time on these things. Number one is remove the log from your eye, right? And I, and I mentioned in the discussion, this is a daily discipline of a Christian. This is not something that we did one time and now we're good. We understand as those saved by grace, we understand we still have this flesh thing, we still have this sin thing, and that we have to be in the habit of removing the log from our eye so that we can see clearly. I mentioned often our knee-jerk reactions to things, regardless of what it's about, it's probably not right. It's, pro it's probably wrong. It's probably coming from the flesh or from our sin. So, and be quick to listen, right? Slow to speak and quick to remove the log from the eye. That's not a verse, but do that too. Second thing, the golden rule. You guys remember that? What's the golden rule? I treat others like you would like to be treated. And so if, if we're God's family, we know him and his, his Holy Spirit is empowering us to obey his commands, then we ought to be those who are doing our best to treat others the way that we would like to be treated. Then the great commandment, do you guys recall? Love God with all that we are, love our neighbor as ourself. And that extends, I would suggest, to our enemies, right? We're called to love them, to bless those even that would curse us. And then lastly, the Great Commission, which instructs us very specifically to engage with others who are of a different ethnicity, of a different culture. It is so healthy to be around people that are not just like you because the world does not think just like I think or just like you think. And again, just a reminder, number three, the Spirit is working. But as God's children, we have to be mindful, right? We're we're body and spirit, right? We've got this struggle. We have to be mindful that we have to intentionally yield to God's spirit. Do away with those things of the flesh. Trust in him to do those things that he's called us to do, to treat other people like we want to be treated, extend his love and his grace and his forgiveness, to intentionally reach out and to embrace, to, embrace, to make lasting relationships with people that are different than us. And lastly today, number four, Jesus is returning. So these are things that we can be certain of today because God's program is running just fine. Number one, God is fulfilling his word. Number two, Jesus is restoring. Number three, the spirit is working. And number four, Jesus is returning. In fact, scripture says he's at the... Some of you are like, where is he at? He's at the door. <laughs> he's at the door, right? He's close. He's close. All right, again, we see brokenness where? Everywhere. Is it in your lifetime, is there going to come a day where you're, you're, you're going to be like, well, I don't have to, I don't have to Facebook stuff, you don't have to, I don't have to complain about all the broke. Is there ever going to be that day? It's, things are always going to be broken. I'm going to ask you to turn to one last place today. If you'll turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Jeremy, you can go ahead and, and make your way up here if you would. Number four, Jesus is returning. Second Peter chapter three. In verse nine, we read this, that 
the Lord, he's, he's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But in verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And Jesus is returning. And there's two things that you and I ought to be certain about, even orienting our lives to in this time and in this season. And that is this, God, do you know, do you know why he's, he's coming and he's not here yet? According to this verse, it's because he is not willing that any should perish, but all should repent. And if God cares about that, we should care about that too. We should also have this longing like Christ desires us to have, that one day there will be a complete restoration, a doing away of all sin, all death, all pain and suffering, because the one has done it all, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to pray, and then we'll begin our time of invitation. Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us today. We know that your program is running just fine. Lord, you have not caused the problems that we experience today. We have. But Lord, from the beginning, even before time, Lord, you decided to enter our brokenness, to make a way to fix it so that we and your son, Jesus Christ, could experience complete restoration and hope. I pray today that you would remind us that you are daily fulfilling your word, that you are working through your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit to bring about hope in the lives of those that are broken. And ultimately, one day, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, we will see brokenness no more. We will see righteousness and life and peace. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys, if today, if you're here and you have questions about what it means to know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, and you would like to talk about that, I'm going to stand down here, and if you would like to come forward to discuss more about that or to pray today to receive Christ as your Lord, um, if, if you'll come down, we can go out to a room and uh, socially distance and still talk um, today specifically for those who have questions about knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior.
Redeeming love, redeeming.